Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. What up, Get Up Nation? My name is Ben Biddick, the host of the Get Up Nation podcast and co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Chicago Cub, Miami Marlin, and CEO of Lurong Living, Adam Greenberg. Today, I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Marisol Castro. Marisol's amazing career in broadcast journalism spans ABC News, The Early Show on CBS, Good Morning America, and ESPN. Marisol was named public address announcer at City Field, home of the New York Mets, on May 30th, 2018. She is the first female PA announcer in Mets history. The first game she announced was May 31st, 2018, against the Chicago Cubs. For the first time, Mets fans and baseball fans everywhere heard the sound of a woman's voice bringing the brilliance and beauty of the game of baseball to them. Marisol, thank you for joining me on the Get Up Nation podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. It's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege. And to hear that introduction, my gosh, you make me sound so important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're doing amazing things. I'm looking forward to going through these questions and really inspiring my listeners here with your journey. You grew up playing stickball and stoopball on Baychester Avenue in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> How did these games? Man, you really do your you do your research, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and those are magical times for kids playing those sports. How did these games help create your love for the game of baseball? Um, just being outside, I think you know. As you mentioned, I, I grew up on Baychester Avenue in a row house. We didn't have air conditioning, so during those hot summer nights, you know, we just and summer days, we just want to be outside. And my friends and I, we, we didn't have video games. Maybe one of us had an Atari, who knows, but we just made games up. We just loved the fresh air. It was a very busy street. And all of our older brothers were playing baseball on their bona fide high school baseball teams. And they said, well, you know, you guys can play wiffle ball or stoop ball or stick ball. And I cannot tell you how my summers were further enriched and even into the fall by just being outside with my friends in the Bronx with a, a wiffle ball bat or a broomstick in one hand and, and a ball being lobbed at me. It was just being active, being aware that I was having fun, hmm. you know, and I don't know if that's a byproduct of being a very cerebral child who has grown up into a cerebral adult or just the beauty of being a child and all you care about is having fun. That's amazing. Do you remember your first home run? Or oh, heck yeah. yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> I was in Mrs. Prince's third grade class. It was the summer between third and fourth grade. Girls had sort of waned off of playing stickball. They wanted to play with Barbies, and that was cool. I just didn't want to play with Barbies. I wanted to be outside. And uh, so, with that summer, and we were playing wiffle ball. At that point, the uh, Baychester Avenue got way too busy. So, behind all the row houses was a, a, an alley with cars parked. And uh, I will never forget my next door neighbor threw one right down the middle. 
I couldn't resist it. I hit it, and we had cars. You know, there was a Pontiac. There was a black Pontiac, and if you hit the black Pontiac, it was automatic home run. <laughs> of course, I nailed it. I nailed the roof and jogged around the bases and just looked at all the other boys on the field, and they just looked at me with disdain. But, yeah, that was my first home run. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's great. Now, you're passionate, you're passionate about sports, and you're passionate about communication. You've described how being the first female PA announcer for the Mets was a dream. Will you share with Get Up Nation your experience as you prepare to announce for your first Mets game? I did what I always do, which is I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I made myself cafe con leche, made my two children breakfast, two children lunch, kissed them goodbye, said, uh, Grandma will be here tonight because Mommy has to go to work. Hmm. Um, and <laughs> they said, okay. Um, I've spent, you know, the past 12 years trying to impress my children. It's nothing I do impress them, um, which is actually, it's what, it's what keeps me grounded and keeps me very helpful. You know, I, I drove down to City Field, and was, I, I've been very blessed and very fortunate that media outlets and such as yourself and just other periodicals and, and stations have been interested in me and in what I'm doing and what the Mets organization is doing. And so I actually had a few interviews before getting behind the microphone. And it's interesting because it's very meta. You know, I'm the one who is used to asking the questions. And now I'm on the other side. And so that's very weird for me. But uh, just having those conversations was incredible for me. There's, there's really no other way to describe it. But there I was sitting in the parking lot of City Field uh, in Lot G on the phone with all sorts of radio stations. I walked in and got my badge and took it all in, got into the PA announcer's booth, and I was there by myself. I opened up the window. At that point, the Cubs were already taking BP. I just looked around, and someone asked me, a television station asked me, do you ever get nervous? And I said, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I have to be honest, I, I only get nervous the five seconds before I'm about to go on. And then as soon as I hear a talk to me, or as soon as I hear, and now joining us is Monica Castro, all those fears go away, and I'm just in the moment, and to be able to do that for a sport that I love, in the city that I love, it really is a, a dream come true. Amazing. Brian Heyman's article described the night you made history. May 31, 2018, you debuted as the Mets' first female PA announcer. In his article, you recorded as saying, it means everything to me, not just because I love baseball, I've grown up around baseball, but it obviously means a lot to me being a woman in a field that's predominantly male. It also means a lot to me being a Latina. I remember summer nights as a kid, listening to games and falling asleep to the sounds of baseball games on TV or on the radio. Knowing that young baseball fans hear your voice in those moments, not just across New York City, but in Puerto Rico and across the world, you and the Mets have created a new normal where men and women increasingly share the enjoyment and magic of the game. Have you had a moment where you've been able to reflect on that and really take in what a phenomenal accomplishment this is? I have to tell you, Ben, I'm, I'm still taking it in every day. You know, I was, uh, I was at an event last night um, on a panel, and I was asked those questions, and it's still, I'm still in awe. I'm in awe of the opportunity I'm never in awe of my ability because I feel like every morning I wake up, no matter what it is that I'm doing, whether I'm announcing a game at City Field, whether I'm being a mom or a daughter or a friend, I always try to be the best that I can be, and I always try to learn something. So to me, I'm in awe of just the experience and the opportunity. And, you know, growing up, I knew plenty of kids. I grew up in a, in a predominantly uh, Latino neighborhood, and I knew plenty of kids who were gifted athletes, really, really gifted athletes, but because of a lack of resources 
or turned down the wrong road, they, they never realize their dreams. So none of this is lost on me. And I do think that it's very progressive on the part of the Mets to have a voice that reflects really not only the people that come to City Field, but the people, to your point, that watch baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of Latino players who come from Puerto Rico, who come from the Dominican Republic, and that's important to me. First and foremost, I do things, I, I take every step as a human being, but I'm very cognizant of the fact that as a Latina, I, I represent a lot and I have a, and a, a tremendous responsibility. And I don't take that lightly whatsoever. We talk a lot about resilience and perseverance on this podcast. In prior interviews, you mentioned you lost your father at age 10. You described how your mother, your sister, and your grandfather became a powerful support network for you. But you still had to learn many lessons, as you described, the hard way. For Get Up Nation listeners who are experiencing their own losses or adversity today and striving to overcome their challenges, what encouragement do you have for them as they seek to reach the heights of their potential? because it's something I try to live by every day. I did. I lost my dad when I was 10. Um, I made the decision at 12 to get a full academic scholarship to go to boarding school because I knew the world was bigger than the Bronx, New York. Mm-hmm. Having a single mom, try to try to do as much as she possibly could, I knew that was finite. And so I spent my 20s in, on autopilot. You know, I, I just gotten into the business, and opportunities were coming to me left and right, not because I was lucky, but because I worked very hard. Nothing I've ever done has ever come to me without some sort of challenge. And that's okay because it's why I'm here today. I think, you know, I I spent my 20s in therapy, despite my family saying, oh my gosh, what do you mean? How did we fail you? And I, you know, I would say, you didn't fail me. This is my decision. If you guys had said as a teenager, you need to go to therapy, I would probably would have protested, but it was my decision. Um, And I learned a lot. And I also learned that I could do all of this on my own. And so how do I get through the further adversity? I went through a very difficult time getting divorced and did it all on my own. You know, it was always on my terms. But again, it goes back to sports. One of the things that helped me get through very dark times and times of, of, uh, that were challenging, I exercised. For me, that was my therapy, whether it was going for a run, whether it was going to the gym, whether it was, I, I would play paddle ball up against a, a cement wall, anything I could, because that really sort of cleared my mind, and it helped me self-soothe. And once all of that passed, very recently I've come to a point where I know there are a lot of things I can do on my own, but now I've learned to accept help from others. Today is a perfect example. I, I went to fix my son's phone, and I got a, a free phone. I didn't have to pay anything. And I walked out of the mall and I looked and I had a flat tire. Hmm. And I immediately start opening my car doors. I look in my glove box. I'm ready to, you know, change this tire on my own. Because in the past, I have changed flat tires on my own. And I looked at myself and I was like, Michael, this is why you have car insurance. Call roadside assistance. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. So, you know, getting help writ small or writ large is something that I had to learn how to do. But it's part of the acceptance. And so I know that's a really long-winded answer to your very simple question, but overcoming um, adversity uh, is no stranger to me. I work hard on who I am. I've learned to accept accept help from others. I meet people where they are. I choose to be kind to people, and I usually get kindness in return. And um, and that's kind of how I I live my life. You know, I I try to tread lightly on the earth, and so far, so good. Hmm. You know, I I think... uh, 
I think the tides have, have turned and, um, yeah, I just I look forward to every opportunity and and every day. I really do. Amazing. I love your commitment to mental health and and your willingness to share that today and I think it's very important for people to really understand, you know, people who are very successful go through so much adversity and overcome things and develop resilience and it's not just an easy walk to achieve the things that you've achieved. I really love your commitment to that self-care and mental health. A prior guest we had on the show is Roberto Clemente Jr. And he has a new app that he was promoting, the Roberto app, which is dedicated to brain health and uh, mindfulness and how impactful that was for him. There's so many similarities here with, with people that I talked to as we talk about resilience of things that you're talking about, acceptance, um, how powerful exercise can be for your physical and mental health and for overcoming these challenges, it's absolutely vital. So thank you for, for being clear and transparent to my listeners to help them know that you know, life is hard, life is difficult. Even for the most successful among us, it takes a, a discipline or a commitment to, to caring about yourself to get you to those points. And it's not all just an, an easy walk. So thank you. Thank you. I'm, I hope your, your listeners really get something from that because it's, it's absolutely true. You know, you have to you have to learn how to take care of yourself, your body, your mind. And, and it's something that I do with my children so much so that, you know, this morning, my eldest, son, they, my eldest son said, Mommy, I'm talking to you as a friend. You need to go for a run today because you're getting really snippy. And I was like, <laughs> I took a step back and I said, you're absolutely right. Huh. And they, they know, they can right. tell when right. I'm like, when I start snapping, they're like, uh-oh, mm -hmm. she needs to go exercise. Otherwise, we're in deep trouble. Mm. <laughs> and, and conversely, I tell, I tell them the same thing. You know, I'll say, when was the last time you eat? Okay, right. you've had enough screen time. Let's go outside. Right. Yeah, it's amazing the perceptions of children and how they really pick up on things and whether or not they articulate it in the language that we use as adults or not. It's the perceptions that they take in are really amazing. Oh, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. You've described how your grandfather played a huge role in your life. He was a veteran who served in World War II. He worked five jobs. He married a Puerto Rican woman in, in the 1940s <laughs> when that was not in vogue at the time. He took you to Broadway shows when you were a small child. You've described how he is the most interesting person you've ever met. How did he help instill in you the resilience that has helped you overcome the challenges that you've faced? Well, when my, when my dad died, I was 10, he assumed the father role. You know, here was this Jewish man who was born on the Lower East Side and married this dark-skinned Puerto Rican. And so he, it, it, I'll go back to something you just said about how children pick up the nuances hmm. in in adults' lives. And I, I picked up on these nuances because my grandfather, he communicated more with his actions. He was very garrulous. I mean, he loved to talk, and he was a very great storyteller. But it was through his actions that made me realize um, that I had to be resilient, that I had to be tenacious. And I yearned that, you know, that fatherly figure, and he was that for me. And so taking me to Broadway shows. I hated Broadway musicals. Couldn't stand them. To this day, I'm like, oh, God, I just wanted to be with him. Hmm. And, um, you know, he, when I was, when I made the decision that I was going to go to this boarding school, you know, my sister, my grandfather, my mother all looked at me like, what are you, crazy? Hmm. And the first question was, well, how are we going to pay for this? And my, grand, my grandfather, having seen none of the paperwork, said, she's got it. Hmm. And, you know, when I put I put the acceptance letter on the, on the kitchen table and they, you know, oh, well, she does have it. So he sort of knew and he knew what I, what I was made of. 
And I can tell you that that only came from being in his presence, seeing how he struggled, seeing how, you know, he was a Jewish man who was rejected by his first fiance because he wasn't Jewish enough, um, yet was accepted by the Puerto Rican family for being exactly who he was. And so I think he saw that in me and just being able to spend time with him. And, and believe me, there was tough love. When I would come home from boarding school, even when I came home from, from college, I'd say, I'm broke. And he'd look at me like, don't look at me. Go, go get a paper out. Go work at the grocery store. Go do whatever you need to do, but go find money. You'll find it some way. And he was absolutely right. So he, you know, dispensed tough love when he needed to, but he was also there just being this very gentle human who was very uh, empathetic. And by saying nothing, he taught me so much. Hmm. He really did. Harry Zemer. <laughs> that was his name. Amazing. Get Up Nation, episode six. I featured Patrick Filosa. He's a huge Mets fan. Due to neurofibromatosis, his left leg was amputated below the knee, and now he works with Robert Rodriguez of LimPossible.com to make a positive impact in the lives of young people with limb loss. ESPN Magazine highlighted Patrick and his prosthetic leg, which has a Mets logo on it. I'm sure he would love it if you had a second to give him a quick shout-out and wish this Mets fan well. Would you mind doing that? I, I wouldn't mind at all. I love hearing about Mets fans, my new adopted team, and thank you so much for your dedication to the sport, to yourself, and I hope I get to see you at, uh, at City Field sometime soon. Amazing. LGM, let's go Mets. <laughs> Marisol, I always end the show with six quick questions to help my audience gain a greater understanding of the why within my phenomenal guests. Will you run through these six quick questions with me? I would love to. Who are you thankful for today? My son, Liam, for reminding me to go take care of my mental health. <laughs> hmm. And what are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for both my children, uh, for being healthy uh, for being loving and for pushing me to be a better human being. Hmm. And how do you fuel the fire within you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I never settle. I absolutely never settle in, in any area of my life. Being a woman, I know that I immediately have to fight a little bit harder for anything I want professionally. Being a Latina means I need to work even harder than just being a woman. And so knowing that I'm doing something not just for me, but for any Latina who comes after me, or maybe even a contemporary Latina, that fueled me, hmm. knowing that uh, we've come far and we still have a long journey ahead of us. What was one thing adversity taught you to value? Patience. Time is a magical healer. Hmm. It really, really is. I'm genuinely a patient person with other people. Adversity taught me how to be patient with myself. And what are you doing today you never thought you could? That's a good question. I, I could be very witty and say I never thought I wouldn't change my own tire um, <laughs> <laughs> because I've done that before. <laughs> um, what am I doing today that I never thought I'd do before? I, I'm taking a moment to just take it all in. You know, I think uh, I sometimes move at the speed of light. I'd say 98% of the time I'm moving at the speed of light and I'm learning to slow down and acknowledge these gifts that I've been afforded and acknowledge that I've worked very hard in my life and it's okay to take a moment and say, all right, girl, you still have a lot more to do and a lot more to accomplish, but take a few seconds and acknowledge that you're, you're not doing so bad. And then my final question, what will you do tomorrow that you never thought you could? 
I will wake up and do it all over again, except they'll be better at it. Amazing. Marisol, thank you so much for taking time to share your journey with Get Up Nation. How can people learn more about you? Oh my gosh, Ben, thank you so much. You have a great voice, by the way, if no one has ever said that to you. Thank really, you very really much. Thank you. Well, now, now that I'm doing the PA announcing, I'm hyper aware of people's voices. Oh, and you okay. have a good one. <laughs> if I ever have to call out sick, maybe you make your way over to Flushing. Um, <laughs> you got it. I, <laughs> I am on every manner of social media, on Instagram, on um, uh, Marisol Castro TV, on Twitter, I'm Marisol Castro. I'm on Facebook. And those are those are where you can find me. You can also find me in City Field. If you're local, it's on SNY, on 710 Radio. And then, you know, the, the 10,000 other projects that I'm doing. So <laughs> on all my social media, you can, you can see all the, all the other areas I dabble in. Excellent. Oh, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Ben. The game of baseball. It has room for us all. From Marisol jogging the bases after her first home run on Baychester Avenue in the Bronx, to her voice crossing countless channels, to Sherwood in Puerto Rico, and the Dominican, and the whole world, a description of the brilliance and beauty of the game of baseball, played by the New York Mets at City Field. Her voice doesn't just share a game, it shares what's possible. What would summer nights be without the games of catch between fathers and sons, and fathers and daughters, and mothers and sons, and mothers and daughters? A hundred thousand lessons are taught in those moments, whether with words or without. Parents help their children rise to meet the opportunities of their time, while children remind their parents not to forget why we're here. First, we dream it, and then we do it. And it goes on and on and on. Get up, nation. Make sure you take the time to enjoy those brilliant present moments. Enjoy your journey and truly live the life that you've been given.